Well, we haven't got to the message yet, but are you already glad you got to the house of the Lord today? Come on, let's give God praise. Amen. Amen. And how about one more time? We just show these men from Adult Teen Challenge that we appreciate them this morning. Yeah. Man. I ain't going to lie. I was tempted to just forego all things on the schedule today and just worship for a long time with you guys. I just so appreciated uh, them singing and worshiping with us today. I don't know if you've noticed this before, but uh, there's a lot of lights on a lot of houses this time of year. You know, what's funny is, uh, you know, when you drive through some neighborhoods at night, you can, uh, you can just be in this spirit of Christmas, and it's so beautiful. And then sometimes you drive down that same street during the day, and you realize that Christmas lights can do a whole lot for an ugly house. Yeah. You know what I mean? You drive down the same road, and you're like, it didn't feel this way last night. I was, thinking, I was thinking about that this week, and, and I couldn't help but think that, you know, I think a lot of us are kind of in that reality at this time of year. You know, we hope that the Christmas lights and the Christmas spirit and the Christmas music and the Christmas food, come on, somebody, we hope all that stuff is going to drown out the ugliness of life. And I think there's a lot of people that are maybe in that place even today to where there's things that, that just want to steal away our peace, steal away our hope, steal away our joy, and, and we can just try to suppress it with the noise of the season. And I want to speak to you today about overcoming all of that that wants to overcome us. Have you ever had something in your life that just, I mean, things seemed okay, and then all of a sudden, unexpectedly, something just drops in your lap. Maybe it's a, an unexpected bill. Maybe it's a text or a phone call from somebody, and it just steals your peace. I mean, everything seems fine, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get that call back from the doctor, and, and the conversation doesn't go the way you thought it was going to go, and your peace is gone. And, and the reality is, I, I don't want to put a, a damper on anybody's Christmas, but, but if we can dig a little bit beneath the Sunday morning surface together, we can acknowledge that we live in a world that is full of anxiety. We live in a world that is full of stress. I mean, people are stressed out. I read some stats recently that said the adult population of the country is 200 million people. Of course, 84 million of those are retired, so that leaves 116 million to do the work. People are stressed out. Of course, there's 75 million that are still in school, so it actually leaves 41 million to do the work. Of course, with that total, there's 22 million people that are federal government employees, and there's actually 19 million of us <laughs> left to do the work. Then you factor in the 4 million that are in the armed forces, thank God for them, and uh, that's only 15 million left to do all the work, and then, of course, out of that total, 14.8 million people work for the state or for city governments, and so down to 200,000 people that have a lot of work to do. Of course, out of that number, there's 188,000 people that are in hospitals at any given time. And then you add in the current 11,998 people that are incarcerated. That leaves just two people to get the job done. It's you and me, and you're just sitting there. I'm stressed out. You've been there, right? You ever felt that way? 
just sidebar footnote. You should know not everything you read on the internet is true. I'm just going <laughs> to just, just give you that for free today just to help you out. Listen, if you're feeling stressed out during this Advent season, if you feel like you're one of the ones that you're masking the ugliness of your heart with the tinsel and lights, there's something you can hope for today. There's something you can anticipate, and that's a good word for it, during this Advent season, because Advent means coming. It's filled with anticipation, and we can anticipate today peace. Peace can be ours. Last week, we, we lit the first candle on the Advent wreath, and it was the candle of hope. Today, we want to light the second candle, and it's the candle of peace. Advent is about what Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Jesus was ever born. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What does that mean? He's the Prince of Peace. It means that when Jesus reigns, whether it's in your heart or when he comes to reign again in this earth, the keynote of his reign will be peace, peace. When the angel appeared to the shepherds in the field to announce Jesus' birth, he was soon accompanied by an angelic host, and they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to all men on whom God's favor Rest. That's the declaration of the Christmas season. That's the declaration of Advent, that peace has come. That Christ has come and he's brought peace to our hearts. And, and I want to just declare in this Advent season, and, and the reason I've invited the guys to be here today with us is because I don't want to just declare this Christmas that Jesus did come as a babe in a manger and he brought peace to our hearts, or that he will come again and rule as a prince of peace in the earth. What I want every one of us to see today and in this Advent season is that peace is coming right now. Peace is here. One of the ways peace is demonstrated and coming now is through the ministry of Adult and Teen Challenge. And so I want to invite John to come, and he's going to join me for a moment and welcome some of the guys John, would you make him welcome as he comes? Thanks for being here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. It is such an honor to be able to worship with y'all. And uh, we travel a lot. And your worship band, Val, is dynamite. The worship team, dynamite. We were, we were in all over there, how exceptional you guys are. So we're very thankful to be a part of that. We're thankful to Pastor. We're thankful to Congregation for, for showing hospitality. It's very humbling, and it's wonderful to be a part of the church. I'm also thankful because I have a good Heavenly Father, and I've been reconciled with my Father through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, therefore adopted into a wonderful family and an heir to the kingdom of God. My name's John Thorne with Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge, and we're centered around Jesus Christ. What we do is we look to bring wholeness to the hopeless. 
We know that it's an epidemic, that a lot of people are going through some, some problems and some struggles and different things like that, and we want them to find peace in Christ. It says in John 14, the Lord says that the peace I leave with you, the peace I give you, not as the world gives, but as I give. So don't be troubled or don't be afraid, but we can know that our Lord has overcome the world. So there's such hope and peace in Jesus Christ. And so what we do at Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge, we help those that are struggling with drugs and alcohol. We have a detox program, a 30-day program program and a long-term one-year discipleship program. In our detox program, we go through the detoxification process. We allow uh, uh, their bodies to kind of heal. We have doctors and nurses that take their vital signs, that give them the proper medications that they need to detoxify off it, because we realize this is that it's very dangerous as far as going through alcohol withdrawal. You can actually die from it. You can die from benzo withdrawal. So we want to give them the proper medications. And then the fact is, is that the epidemic that's been going on with opiates and uh, the dangers of fentanyl and how just overdose have spiked since 2014, and so we give them the proper medications to allow their bodies to detoxify off of the opiates. Then we go into our 30-day program where we begin to work on the mind of addiction because we realize this is that drugs and alcohol is just a symptom of something going on much deeper inside of us. There's pain, there's hurt, there's trauma, there's pride, there's fears, there's lust, and we know that we can overcome and become more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we concentrate on those things and doing an inventory of our lives, and in our one-year discipleship program, that's where we we really grow into the principles of Jesus Christ and following his promises. And uh, God is so good. And so if you know anybody that's, that's struggling, that's going through um, a trouble or has pain, we can find hope in Jesus Christ. I love what David talks about in Psalm 42. It says, deep calls the deep. As deep as my sufferings may be, God's love is so much deeper. And his love cascades over me like waterfall and like a deer pants for water, so my soul pants for the glory of God. And that's what we teach at Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge is pretty much three things, that we have such value, we have purpose, and there's a great destiny in store for us. You know, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and that there is no condemnation when we're in Jesus Christ and nothing can separate his love. He is a good father that really cares for us. He numbers every hair on our head. So if we actually lose a hair, he, he, it's just not a hair. He knows it's number 543. That's how personal and how deep and fast his love is. And he's so wonderful. And so we want to educate, make people aware of that, and then be obedient to their purpose that we were called. And it says in Romans 8 that the, those he foreknew, he predestined. Those he predestined, he called. And those he called, he justifies. And those he justifies, he glorifies. He's so wonderful. And our purpose is to love our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love each other as we love ourselves. And so we dive in deep of that and we know that it leads us to a great destiny of eternal life with Jesus Christ our Lord. There's nothing greater than that. And it's all possible through our Savior. And so that's what we concentrate on to allow people to find rest and to peace in that and to not be stressed out and have anxiety. I'm actually going to call up uh, one of our leaders, uh, Ramon is a leader of our street team and a leader of our choir. We actually have many ministry teams. We have a prayer group that meets, and we come together and we pray. And then we also have a street team, which is an evangelism team. So we go to the Hope Rescue Mission. We team up with them, Water Street Mission, Bethesda. And we team up with the missions to help them. We do some labor work for them. We do some volunteer where we go give the testimonies of Jesus Christ. We also do some where we help them out and feed food and different things like that. But we believe that we need to pay it forward, that once we become born again, 
you know, because we just don't want to see people get sober. We want to see people be born again in Jesus Christ to pay it forward and to give back. And so that's what our teams, we also have a prison team. We have a lot of our prison team guys here. We go to about eight different counties and we're able to do skits, have some fun, but give the testimony and the gospel of Jesus Christ in there. And then we have a Touch by Ink group. We have a disciples group, which is like a Christian hip hop. We actually have one of the guys here. He's going to be performing um, on Wednesday for the kids and uh, does a wonderful job and does it uh, Christian music and the hip hop form for the younger kids. And we get to travel to schools and we get to go to like five different public schools and give the name of Jesus Christ in there because it's such an epidemic that we get to be able to spread drug awareness and prevention to the youth and let them know the dangers of it and the possibilities of when you give your life to Jesus Christ and how wonderful he is. We're so thankful, church. I'm going to invite Ramon up. He has a wonderful testimony. A pastor, we're going to allow two men to give their testimony. He's a good man of God and, uh, and a child of God, and I look up to this man. So, Ramon. Good morning, church. My name is Ramon, and I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And um, every time I get the opportunity to share my testimony, I'm grateful for, to the Lord and to do that because God has been so good to me. Um, I, I was just talking to Thor on the way here, and I, I can take a look over my life, um, all the things that I've done, the times that I've walked away from God, the time that I lived my life as if there was no God, yet God loved me and he protected me, he guided me um, to, so that I can get to this point, and I'm grateful for his love and his faithfulness that he remained faithful to me even when I was unfaithful, that his hand protected me even though I didn't deserve protection, and that his grace and his mercy continues to cover me. I'm also grateful for the peace of God that surpasses all understanding that today I can cast my cares upon God because he cares for me and that I don't have to walk around carrying burdens of this world, that I can give God my fear, my insecurities, my hurt and my pain and he bears those burdens for me so there's peace in knowing that. So therefore I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me. He delivered me from all my fears. That's part of my testimony is that while I've been a teen challenge and I sought the Lord that God delivered me from the all fears, the fear of rejection, the fear of hurt, the fear of my future, the fear of the unknown that as long as I place my trust and my hope in Christ that everything is okay. I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, going to church my whole life. So um, I remember accepting Christ at an early age, about around 11 or 12. But there were three things that impacted my life and the way I viewed myself and I thought about myself. Um, I was molested as a child. My mother had me at the age of 17, and she dealt with drug, drug addiction herself. So I lived uh, mainly at my grandmother's house, and uh, my father was not there. So I grew up with feelings of just not feeling good about myself. I felt um, rejection. I felt unloved. I felt, you know, some hurt, some pain, some, a lot of insecurities built. And um, at the age of 15, um, I, like I said, I went to church all my life. But at the age of 15, um, on my 15th birthday, I drank for the first time. And as I drank alcohol and I smoked marijuana for the first time, um, all those pains, all those insecurities, all those feelings of rejection, the fear, the disappointment, and went away with one drink. And I thought that I had found a solution to my problems. And so um, I continued to drink um, 
while continuing to go to church, singing in choirs and stuff like that. Um, I ended up going to college at um, the age of 17 in Washington, D.C. And um, while I was there, I went to school to um, actually party. I was going to be in a bigger um, city. I was away from home. But something happened to me there as I sat in a bar on my 18th birthday. I felt an emptiness um, that I never felt in, in my life. Um, I began to question my purpose and what was life really about. And that those questions caused me to seek God. And so for about two years, I began to dig into a really personal, healthy, strong relationship with God. And um, his, he began to reveal his word to me. He be, began to speak to me and I began to develop a real intimate relationship with God. Um, but um, at the end of about two years, I, I left the church that I was going to and I went to another church. I'm um, also at that time, I didn't know how to give God those fears, those insecurities, those feelings of pain and rejection. I was still carrying them. And so when I went to this other church and um, like I said, I didn't grow up with a father. And so I'm looking for mentorship and to be fathered by an older man. And I, at this time, I had felt that there was a calling on my life at 18 that God had revealed to me that there was a call on my li life to preach the gospel. Yet I was so uncomfortable because I was looking at my inabilities to do that and I felt disqualified because of the things that I had been through and the things that, and the way that I thought about myself that I was disqualified from doing that. So I wanted like an older man to affirm and confirm who I was and I was looking from that from this pastor and um, I didn't get it. So a recent reinforced some rejection um, that was never dealt with. It seemed like he took interest in everyone around me except me. And it hurt me. Even if he didn't do it, that's, that, those were the feelings that I felt. And so um, along with that and not giving God um, all those pains and insecurities, I walked away from the Lord. I was about 19 years old. And um, I, I, I began to go back into a partying lifestyle. I graduated college at the age of 23. And, um, but I graduated more confused um, because I walked away from God. I had no direction. Um, I was very still irresponsible. I did not know how to be a man, let alone a man of God. Um, and uh, my addiction was in full swing. Um, I returned home and I began to, at that time when I graduated, I was using marijuana, alcohol, and I started to use ecstasy. And then when I returned home, I started using cocaine. And um, slowly but slowly, my, my addiction was just progressing and progressing and progressing. And uh, my partying turned into a problem. And I began to steal to support my habit. And um, I began to go in and out of jail, in and out of rehabs. I found myself in places around people and doing things that I never expected to do. Um, I was much like the prodigal son who wandered from his father's house into that far and distant country and spun all that he had on riotous living. And then when the famine hit the land, I was broke. I was alone. I was empty. I was depressed. And I found myself in a pig pen of life, um, just dirty. And so um, I, I, I didn't return um, back to church until I, at the age of 34. And um, I'm 40 years old right now. But I returned back at about the age of 34. And um, when I returned back, um, what went on with me at that time? I questioned God of why I didn't stay there. Um, you know, what, what went on? I thought, you know, that I had gave God everything. But God had revealed to me while I was at Teen Challenge that why I didn't stay there is because um, he, he spoke to me through Philippians 2 where it said, Let this mind be in you that is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. One version says that he emptied himself. Another version said that he made himself nothing and took on the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient 
obedient unto death and even the death of the cross. So God revealed to me that the reason why I kept on going back and forth in and out of church, that there was too much of me still alive, that I still had my own agenda, that I still had my own opinions, that I still had my own rights that I feel like was entitled to me. And I had to die to myself so that Christ within me could live. And so um, um, what happened is, is that about two years ago, I ended up going into a state prison. Um, for um, a robbery. Like I said, I was stealing to support my habit. And um, when I got out, I was doing good for a while. I was going to church yet again. And um, but my job began to take priority. God blessed me with some things and I began to work and work and spend less time in my relationship with God. And so I ended up relapsing last September. And um, I was going to church. And so like I began to miss, you know, services. And my pastor came to me and asked me what was going on. And I told him that I relapsed. So I had a counseling session with him and a pastor from his seminary. And they suggested that I go to Teen Challenge, that it was a year-long program. I didn't want to go because I just did two years upstate. I did nine months in the halfway house. And I was just finally on the street in my own place. So I tried to, excuse me. So I tried to close that door myself, but once I opened up that door of addiction and drinking again, it was hard to close it. So by December, I got paid every Friday. So by December, I was calling off of work every Friday. And at the end of, the, at the end of December, around this time last year, I lost my job, and so, um, which means I couldn't pay my rent. Um, and I um, was in school, but it didn't even matter because I was so depressed. And so I decided to go into Teen Challenge. And when I arrived at the 30-day program in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, I arrived broken, empty, depressed, down, disappointed, and um, I just wanted depression medication so I didn't have to feel what, what I was feeling. And so they made an appointment with psych, but the appointment was so far off that I began to go to Bible study for seven days, and God lifted the depression from me, and I don't take any depression medication to this day. And so that was one of the first miracles that God did, did for me. And so I go up into the mountain in February 6th, and I'm actually in my... 12th month, I graduate in two weeks, and so, um, which is a blessing. But since I've been here, God has done miraculous things in my life. God has removed fear from, I, 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 I believe that God had called me to preach, but I had a fear of public speaking because of insecurities within inside myself. God has freed me from that. I went into 30 day and I couldn't, thank you. I went into um, 30 day and um, I couldn't even sing. And um, this, about um, two weeks ago, I've been leading the choir for a whole year, you know, singing, and God's developed my voice. God's restored my voice back to me. Two weeks ago, I got a chance to record a song of, that I wrote, playing the piano and singing in the studio. God opened up the door so they would um, shoot a music video for that. And um, it, it, that's just an amazing um, act of God. And I say all the time that this year um, here, that God has restored unto me the years that the locusts have eaten. And so um, I really, truly am grateful. I'm grateful for the men that sit in this seat that I can go to, that when I'm down and I'm out, that I can, they, they help me and carry my burdens with me. I'm grateful for John Thor that like there's been many times that I felt down and disappointed, but he encouraged me to keep on moving and to keep on. He reminded me of the man of God and the, and the, and the man that he sees within me. And um. That's been a blessing to me because I've never had men around me, to good men, good godly men, trying to do the same thing to encourage me. And so um, after I graduate, um, I'm going to intern. God's given me the ability to work in academics where I'll take part in teaching some of the classes in the earlier months. And I'm grateful unto the Lord because everything that's happened in my life is not because of me. It's because that I sought God and God began to do a work in me. It has nothing to do with what I've done, and I give all glory and praise to God. And so I'm going to end with this. Through the course of this whole year, I've, I'm at 
the beginning of the year, we pick a life verse, one, a verse to stand on. And I love this verse. Um, it's Isaiah 40, verses 28 to 31, because it's a, it's a verse of comfort to me. Like, it's a reminder to me of the power of God and who exactly God's, God is and his ability to strengthen me in those times that I feel weak. And it says, has thou not known, has thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is he weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And so I'm thankful to God. Good morning, everybody. Um, well, as you can see by my silver hair, that I am the reason that uh, they changed the name from Teen Challenge to Adult and Teen Challenge. And, um, and I guess I'll just say that because there are, there, we're different at there. We're not all the same. We don't uh, all come from the opioid uh, addictions. We have different issues and different things. And so, um, that's one of the things I'm so grateful to God about. I mean, just me being there, I've been able to meet people from different walks of life, um, different ages, different uh, careers, just lots of different things. And, and Teen Challenge has reached out to uh, all of us. Um, one of the things that I've, I've been able to be in choir now for about uh, seven or eight months, and I've gone to a lot of churches, and I have been able to give my testimony. And one of the things I want to start out with on my testimony is to tell you what I learned first at Teen Challenge. Well, I'm an alcoholic, and I um, have an addiction with alcohol, and I'll talk a little bit more about that. But you know what? Before I came to Teen Challenge, I was trying to get all the messages I needed from Alcoholics Anonymous. And so if this was an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, you, we'd all walk, we'd all go around the table and we'd say, hi, I'm Mike and I'm an alcoholic. The very first lesson that I learned at Teen Challenge was this. I am not identified by an alcoholic. I am a child of God. I am a new creation. That is, who I, that is who I am. And I forgot that. And Teen Challenge helped me find that again. So let me just tell you about myself. I am, um, and you know what? Did you all bring a lunch? Because when you're 57 years old, your testimony gets a little long. Um, so anyways, um, I am 57, and I grew up in a Christian home, and I was a Christian at an early uh, early age, I can remember sitting in our TV room watching Billy Graham Crusades and my mom telling me about um, how to become a Christian because I had asked. And uh, so I've been a Christian for a long time. But let me just tell you about the home that I grew up in. My home was a Christian home, but it was very strict. It was very stern. Um, we went to a church where there was no raising of your hands. There was no amens. There was no praise the Lord. It was a very, very strict, quiet, serious church. And those kinds of uh, churches, unfortunately, they kind of affect the way parents raise their kids. 
And my parents were very strict, very stern. Um, they did not tell me that they loved me very much. In fact, I don't remember that until, you know, way, 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 way later in my life. So um, you kind of grew up thinking, okay, well, if I want to have my parents' attention, if I need to have my parents' approval, if I want to be pleased, please my parents, then what I have to do is do really great things. So that kind of a thing happened to me. I became a really a big overachiever. I can remember two quotes um, from my mom when I was, uh, one when I was in grade school and one when I was in college. When I was in grade school, I came home with a C on my report card. And my mom was chewing me out about it. And she said, you know, this is not acceptable. And I said, but mom, C is average. She looked at me and she said, you know what? My children are not average. That hits you hard. You know, another time I came home from uh, college and I said, hey, mom, guess what? I uh, made the dean's list. And my mom said, well, Michael, I expect nothing less. Those kinds of comments hit you hard and they stick with you. So you become this big overachiever. And um, I did, I be, I'm a teacher and I was in the teaching world. I was uh, teaching uh, special education kids and um, doing lots of things. I was getting uh, awards. I, had, I wrote a book. Um, I did all kinds of really good things, but I can still remember after the 17 years of teaching, on the 17th year, um, the school that I worked for was purchased by a big business. A business actually bought our little special ed, happy uh, special ed school, and a big business bought our school, and the big business was all about making money. And so when I got there... Um, they realized, hey, look, there's a bunch of guys here that are a bunch of young people that are, uh, are much less expensive to hire, and these older guys and older ladies are uh, costing us a lot of money, so we're going to really make it hard for them. On my 17th year, I got my very first poor evaluation um, for, my, for my year review. On that way home that day, I stopped and got a bottle and drank it on the way home, and that was the beginning of the end for me. That was... Drinking, not socially, not a little bit. That was drinking a lot. And that was the beginning of the end. So I was drinking a lot more. I quit that job and got another job at a, very, at a really prestigious uh, school and um, was working really, really, really hard. But I couldn't keep up. This, I was a small fish or a big fish in a small pond before, and now I was a small fish in a big pond, and I just could not keep up. Um, I don't know if any of you are teachers, but uh, the state of Pennsylvania is really, the, paper, the paperwork for uh, teaching is extremely, really difficult for special education. And so um, I would go home, I would work till 4.30, I was done at school at 2.30, I'd work till 4.30, I'd go home, or I'd, on my way home I'd stop and get a bottle, and then I'd go home, uh, grab something to eat, and then I would drink again while I did paperwork till 11 o'clock, get up and start all over again. Well, to the point where I started drinking before I went to school. That's not good when you're a teacher. How can you be a teacher and how can you uh, teach kids how to be uh, adults and, and citizens in the world when you're, not, you're drinking yourself? So uh, eventually I was found out and I was asked to resign. You know, that continued for a little bit and my wife, um, she finally said, look, I'm going to leave you if you don't get something, if something doesn't change here. Uh, your mistress is not another woman. Your mistress is alcohol. And so uh, she talked to our pastor, who I respected, and she said, you need to go to Teen Challenge or our marriage is over. So I can tell you that I went to Teen Challenge to save my marriage, but I've gotten so much more. 
You know, your pastor was talking about peace. I was trying to find peace in the bottle. That's where I was trying to find my peace. I was running as fast as I can, trying to keep up with having those really nice, expensive cars, really nice, expensive things in the house, all the things, 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 things. I was trying to do my very best to do that, and I couldn't keep up, and so I was trying to find peace in the bottle. But coming to Teen Challenge has really changed all that. Um, you know, I uh, have gotten to be with the choir. I've gotten to go to churches. I get to raise my hand and praise God. I get to say amen. I get to enjoy and be excited for God. Um, I was just in a chapel about a week and a half ago, and um, the uh, pastor said, uh, turn to Isaiah 43 and look at uh, verse 10. And if you do that, you're going to find that verse 10 says, hey, you're a witness. You're a witness for God. That's what I am. I'm a witness. My behavior has to like speak for me, not just my words. My behavior has to speak. So I'm learning all kinds of things. I'm, my marriage has been restored. I'm courting my wife again. My wife wrote me a letter um, about two and a half weeks ago saying, please come home. I miss you so badly. Nine months ago, she said, please leave the house. I need you to be out of here. That's the change God has made in my life. Amen. He used Teen Challenge as a vessel, but only the vessel. God did it. Amen. So I want to say that to you. I want to say that your, your prayers are so coveted. For Teen Challenge, we just, we really, we pray that you would um, just put us before the Lord because great things are happening on that mountain. Thank you very much. I'll take, thank you. Wow. So blessed today by these testimonies. Thank you, guys, for just sharing your heart. I say sharing your heart. That was, that was a sermon right there. That wasn't just a testimony. That, that was the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I read a statement. I don't know who the author of it was, but it says, all men desire peace. Few desire the things which make for peace. And we're so proud uh, to have you guys here today because you know what it takes to, to really find peace, not just to desire it, but to really want it. And I just want to turn this message back towards all of us for a moment today. And I so appreciate the, the, the diversity of the testimonies, the different paths of life. And, and uh, boy, you hit the nail on the head when you said there's all kinds of stories, there's all kinds of backgrounds. Don't, don't just... Uh, to, Look at one situation and think, well, people in that situation struggle to find hope. No, I've lived long enough to know that on any given Sunday, I'm looking at a multitude of people who are struggling to find peace. It, it may be in something that uh, some of us have never even thought about as a struggle before, but, but it's real and it's robbing some of us of peace today. And, and I just want to challenge all of us to, to not just... Put up more lights, because it might look good and it might feel good for a moment, but 
I promise you, the sun's going to rise tomorrow, and the ugliness of that condition is still going to be there in your life. But the hope we have, the reason we, we light this candle in this Advent season, is that peace is a possibility for the child of God. And I, I want to go to a scripture that seems nothing like a Christmas text, but I want to go to 2 Thessalonians for just a couple of moments, and I just want to read the final greeting of Paul's letter to this church in Thessalonica. It's really the letter's over. I mean, he could just say, sincerely yours, Paul, and be done. But right at the end of the letter, he gives this final greeting to the church. And and as I was reading these words, I mean, this is the moment where you, you know, if you're doing the Bible reading plan, you, you, almost, you could check out and miss this. I mean, you, you know, the, the meat has already been digested. The letter's over. You know, he's, he's giving his benediction. And the way some of y'all do to me when I'm giving a benediction, you know, you go, oh, that, that means it's time to put my Bible away, put the bulletin in the purse, you know, get my cell phone, grab my keys. You're not listening anymore. And you know what? That's what we could do to Paul at this moment. You read through this incredible letter. You get all the way to the end, and now he's giving, even my Bible has the heading, final greeting. And he gives the final greeting. But there's something here that I want you to grab a hold of. Look at it with me. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, the last three verses, 16, 17, and 18. Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, And in every way, the Lord be with all of you. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, which is the distinguishing mark in all my letters. This is how I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Paul says something incredible there in verse 16. He said, I want you to have peace at all times, in every way. How in the world do we get there? How do you have peace at all times in every way? I mean, occasional peace is good. We hoped for it this morning in the service, but how do we, how do we see that affect all of our times and all of our ways? Well, let me just quickly just say, so we're all thinking in the same terms. There's several types of peace. I'll give you three of them. One is eternal peace. That's the most important. That's peace with God. The Bible says in Romans 5 and verse 1, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's eternal peace. And you need that peace today. That's the kind of peace that is not affected by circumstances. That doesn't go away. That doesn't change. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 14, he is our peace. And so when we have a relationship with God, the barrier wall of hostility has been broken down, and we have a relationship with the Father through the Son. We're justified in Christ Jesus by faith. That's eternal peace. But then there's also internal peace. And internal peace is a lot of times where we lose the battle. Internal peace is that kind of peace that, that you, can, you can say everything's good and, and everybody can be happy in your home and things can be going well in your life. And then you come to the end of the day and you lay your head on your pillow and in the dark of night, anxiety overwhelms you. Instead of sleeping in peace, you're tossing and you're turning. And that's a struggle to find internal peace. And then there's a third type of peace. That's external peace. That's not the peace you have with God or the peace you have in your own soul. That's the peace you have with other people. 
Some of y'all praying for that right now. You're praying for somebody that's not even here today. You're like, God, yes, get, get them. Get, get them right so I can have peace in my life. Fix them in Jesus' name. But external peace is a lot of times the peace that we think the Christmas story is all about. We sing about peace on earth, and we, we take out of context the song that the angels sang when they said, uh, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. And we think that Jesus came and he was born in a manger, so that means everybody's going to have peace on earth. It's going to be this beautiful nirvana experience, and it's going to be awesome. But that's not what the Bible says. He said, peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. So there is a promise of peace that can be yours and mine today, but the same Jesus that came to bring us peace with God and peace in our own soul also said, in this world, you will have trouble. So get ready for that. Thank you for that promise, right? Put that on your next Christian t-shirt. <laughs> we will have trouble. Hallelujah. It's the reality that we're going to have conflict. That's why, you know, the apostle Paul, even writing to the church, he said, as much as it is possible for you, live at peace with all people. In other words, it's not always possible, but as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. How do we get peace internally? How do we hold on to the peace that God promises can be ours? Well, I want you to see a couple things in these three verses, and then we're going to pray that God would let that peace invade the darkness of our lives. Verse 16 he began with saying the words, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace. What does it mean that Jesus is the Lord of peace? Well, I'll tell you, it means that he has peace. It's within his domain. He has peace. It's his. It was quoted earlier, John 14. My peace I give you. My peace I leave with you. He has peace. Not only does the Lord of peace have peace, he makes peace. That's the verse I quoted out of Ephesians 2. He makes peace. He has become our peace. Jesus, when he stretched his hands out on that cross, he bridged the, the gap, the division between you and between God. He's our mediator. He has peace and he makes peace and he gives peace. That's what this verse says. He gives peace at all times and in every way. He's the Lord of peace. To be the Lord means that he has command over it. He has jurisdiction over your peace. And, and maybe the most beautiful picture that we see of Jesus' lordship over peace is the story in Mark chapter 4, when the disciples and Jesus got in the boat and they're heading to the other side. The Bible says Jesus was exhausted from a day of ministry and he laid his head down on a pillow in the stern of the ship and he fell asleep, taking a nap. And meanwhile, the storm rages to the point that the disciples fear for their life. Professional fishermen spent their life on the water, and, and they feared for their life. Finally, the Bible says they go and they wake up Jesus, and they say, don't you care that we drown? That's where a lot of people are right now, wrestling for peace. When we don't find the peace and we strain against the oars and the wind and the storm won't die down, the tendency is for us to turn and to point our finger back at God and say, don't you care? Don't you care that I perish? The Bible says in that moment, Jesus stands up and he speaks to the storm and he says, peace, be still. 
And in that moment, the storm died down. The circumstances, they changed just like that. Now, let me say, God doesn't always stand up and speak to your storm and cause your circumstance to change. Sometimes God speaks to your storm and causes you to change. While you have peace, that it's not any more affected by the circumstances. It's greater peace than your surroundings. But Jesus communicates he has power. He is the Lord of peace. And he's the Lord of our peace today. He commands storms. Sometimes he commands circumstances, but he also commands people. And he can say to you, just as sure as he could say to the raging waters on the Sea of Galilee, peace, be still. He said it in Psalm 46. The psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. That's really what Jesus was saying in that moment. Just stop. Let everything stop. And in the silence, there's revelation. I mean, we, we, man, I, I love having this worship team up here. I, I love the roar of worship. I love the sound of the church when they say amen. I love being in a packed house on a Sunday morning in the season of Advent. But you got to know how to hear the voice of God in the silence. You got to know that when your head's on the pillow and, and you're fighting for peace, that it's in the whisper that there is as much power as there is in the shout. He has command over your peace. So look at it. He said, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times. This is verse 16. And in every way, the Lord be with you all. Now he could have just, he didn't have to add that last part. I mean, he could have just said, let the God of peace be with you in every way, period. Close the letter. But then he adds this. He says, the Lord be with all of you. And in these last couple words, there's, there's just three things I want to say to you quickly that, that Paul communicates. The first one is that God's presence is with you. If you want to take anything away, write these three things down. Number one, God's presence is with you. So he says, let God's peace be with you now and always. And then he adds, the Lord be with all of you. How many of you know that's a promise that is ours today, that the Lord is with us? Irregardless of what you're facing, he is with you. God's presence is with you. The second thing that we see here is not only is God's presence with you, but God's promises are true. Now, look at verse 17 with me again, 2 Thessalonians 3. What in the world could this verse bless us with today? Put that one on the screen. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, which is the distinguishing mark in all my letters. This is how I write. Now, if there's a throwaway verse in the Bible, I mean, I'm, I'm voting for this one, right? Well, let me tell you, there are no throwaway verses in the Bible. Let's be clear. There are no throwaway verses. So when I read this verse, I go, okay, okay, Lord, why, why is that in there? And there's a couple things you have to understand for that verse to have meaning. First of all, you got to understand how we got this book. Where'd this come from? How did we get this? The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse or chapter 3 verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. See, our first foundational doctrinal belief is 
the inspiration of Scripture. What that means is we believe what that verse I just quoted says. We believe that all Scripture is God-breathed, that God's breath is on the pages, that the authors were inspired. Let me give you one more verse. It says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came out of the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? That means when Paul wrote this letter, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. He was carried along by the Spirit. He wasn't writing under his own authority or under his own inspiration. It was God-breathed in the moment. And so as, as Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he says, listen, may the Lord of peace give you peace at all times in every way. You need to know that God is with you. The Lord be with you all the time. And then he adds these words. You need to know, I'm writing this with my own hand. Because there was a lot of other false teachers out there who were writing their own stories, trying to make a name for their own selves. And Paul and the church understood that this is inspired of the Holy Spirit. And it was easy to to forge a letter and make a name for yourself and say, oh, we have one of the apostles' letter. Come and listen to us. Come and be a part of our ministry. And so Paul wants to make sure that they understand. And you can imagine him there. He's in his, he's in his room and he's, he's dictating this to a scribe. He's, he's, he's dictating the letter of 2 Thessalonians. And someone's writing it down. And then he gets right here to the end and he says, may the Lord of peace be with you now and always. Give me that pen. He takes the pen in his hand. And, and he says, I... Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. He could have just signed the letter, but somebody could forge a signature. He said, which is the distinguishing mark in all my letters? This is how I write. You know what Paul was saying in that moment? Paul was saying, this is what God says. This is God's word to you. It's not man's opinion. This is not something that somebody's just come up with to try to encourage you, inspire you. You need to know this is God's word. God's presence is with you, and God's promises are true. Take it to the bank. You can trust this. And we need to know that today. Thirdly, we need to know not only is God's presence with you and God's promises true, but God's grace is enough. Come on, I mean, if you want to build peace in your heart, you got to build it on the right foundation. And this is the right foundation for peace at all times, in every way. In verse 18, he adds, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Paul Paul knew what it was like to, to need grace. Paul knew what it was like to suffer. There was a time in his life when he described his suffering as a thorn in his flesh, and he said, God, if there's any way, just remove this thorn three different times. He went into seasons of intercession and fasting and prayer, asking God to remove the thorn, remove the struggle in his life. And every time the Lord responded, my grace is sufficient for you. That's not a heavenly cop-out. That's the truth. 
That's the truth, that, that while you think what you have to have to have your peace restored is this and that and this, the reality, the reality is my grace is sufficient for you. It's enough for whatever you need. I am your peace. I'm the Lord of peace. I want you to grab a hold of this today by faith, and we're going to pray three things. I want you to just say them after me. God's presence is with me. God's promises are true. God's grace is enough. Would you stand with me all over this room today? If you're here and you're struggling to find peace in your heart, peace in your life, maybe it's external, maybe there's conflict that you can't seem to resolve, and whether it's in the workplace or at home, there's something going on, and you can, I need, I need God to bring peace in my life. Maybe you're here today, and, and it's internal. You say, I mean, I'm smiling on Sunday morning, and this was certainly great, but I am so afraid to lay my head down tonight. Because I'm losing the war that wages in my mind, and I don't have peace. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's regret. Maybe it's guilt or condemnation. But you're here today and you say, it's the internal peace I need today. Maybe there's somebody here today and and you need eternal peace. You're listening to the testimonies of these men and you're going, oh man, that's what I need. That's where I need to be. I, I need to have a moment in my life where things turn around, where I start moving in the other direction. I've gone this way for too long. I need eternal peace. If you need the peace of God today in your life, right now, without any fanfare, without any hesitation, just raise your hand. Say, that's me. Today, I need the peace of God in my life. Eternal peace, internal peace, external circumstances. I need God to show up. I need God to move. I need him to change situations in my life today. Today, right now. Come on, church. Would you lift your hands with them all over this room? Father, we call out to you right now in this moment. God, you are the God of peace. You are the Lord of peace. Lord, you have command over our seasons, over our circumstances. God, over our struggles. Lord, you today can invade the darkness with your peace. Right now, Lord, as we lift our hands as a sign of surrender, God, we yield ourselves to you. We yield ourselves completely to you. God, we ask you today to bring peace to our hearts, to bring peace to our lives. Father, thank you for the incredible promises that are ours in your word. As the psalmist said, I lie down and sleep and I wake up again because the Lord sustains me. As Isaiah declared, he keeps in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on him. God, we fix our minds on Jesus today. Be glorified, Jesus, not just in our church attendance or in our good deeds or in our outward expressions, but God, in the innermost places in our hearts. Let the Prince of Peace take his throne in my life. In Jesus' name, we give you praise for it, Lord. Right now, we receive peace. 
in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen today. Amen. 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 Let's give him praise. Come on. Amen.